It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch Race Fans, presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced white-knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today. Do yourself right with a little indoor kart racing. The great thing about racing at Joe's Karting today is there is no wind inside. <laughs> and my God, am I sick and tired of the wind in this area. <laughs> Uh, uh, it has just been absolutely brutal. Uh, joining us on the show now for a, a little bit of a guest appearance, fresh from Mexico. Got a little bit of a Mexican accent, too. Uh, Stu Snyder, welcome back to the States, buddy. Yeah, what's going on? It's a little, uh, <laughs> like you said, windier, colder, yeah. and uh, windier. Yeah, a little bit of a breeze. Down there, when it's, you know, 85 or so you know maybe 90 a breeze isn't too bad up here that breeze no. at this time of year will cut right through you yeah and it's, it's the same thing at eagle raceway saturday night it's like come on we were pretty- dirt, i told him i told him this week we were washing the car yesterday i actually got to help him wash the car instead of being on a plane yeah <laughs> like i was last weekend man that was that was enjoyable <laughs> um i said if it's windy i'm not going because yeah. i'm tired of cleaning the inside of the trailer out yeah yeah, it, it luckily the wind at Eagle kind of seemed to have calmed down about uh about green flag. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot better once the sun went away. Um, but you know, you just get up there in the pits and those pits are so everywhere we go, you know, mm-hmm. the pits are just like silt. Yeah. Because they've been smashed with trucks and trailers and cars. That fine dust just goes everywhere and you know, it, it's just one more thing you got to do. I guess if you care about your shit, you do. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't like a breeze. It was, I mean, 30, 35 mile yeah. an hour winds and then gusts even harder than that. So it, it was a brutal night at Eagle on Saturday. But well, and I can fans... even tell the difference going into turn three in the opening. Yeah. I bet. Was, it, was it pretty shaky out there for hot laps and heat races? Yeah, it was it was trying to pick the car up and put it in the front stretch fence and then going into three at the opening, it would actually turn the car. I mean, you know, of course, the wings turn in mostly for us as you know, the way that it is. But mm-hmm. um, when when you get that crosswind coming through there, it's it you got to be on your toes a little bit, especially when you're trying to enter right in on the fence. You know, yep. there's not a lot of room for air. And then you got the wind trying to kick the car sideways, too. So. Well, Stu, I wanted you to join us because I wanted to get you and I had a conversation about the whole Alex Bowman thing, and I wanted to put it on the front stretch and kind of continue that conversation a little bit. But before we get to the Alex Bowman injury at uh, I think it was I-55 last week um, that uh, Darren McFadden, I wanted to get your thoughts on this one. Um, He was penalized by the World of Outlaws uh, after looks like he. had some uh, issues with a tire test and they've been fined mm-hmm. and suspended. Uh, have you gotten any information with kind of being inside the sprint world on, on what happened there and, and what you think is going to happen going forward? Well, I don't, I don't know if they're really prepping to make them softer if they are prepping or whether they're prepping to try and make them survive. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, we had some problems last year with, uh, with tires, you know, there was a tire shortage and then the tires were showing up and they weren't cured because they haven't sat long enough to cure. And, uh, we had the same issue with with a, a brand new set of tires at Belleville, where they just they're like glass; they wouldn't get a hold of nothing, and then then they just burn completely off. Uh, is it that, or is it that uh, 
you know, that the chemicals that they're that they're using on these tires is what's tripping them up. I they, I did see that they appealed the uh, they appealed the the penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm gonna guess that they're gonna do more testing. Um, I mean, obviously, I would hope that uh, you know they come back negative, and it wasn't the team that was that was prepping them. But you know, we've also had the issue with the uh, ultralight frames a couple of years ago when Reitzel was driving the car. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's not like they're they're not completely innocent with the kind of moving the rule book a little bit, but you know, it, it could be one of two things. It could be that they are prepping them or trying to condition them to keep them alive, or it's something that Hoosier had going on with, you know, maybe they're trying to to speed up the curing process with something. And that's why they're they're uh, sniffing illegal. Now, we've had uh, um, our tires tested at Harlan. Uh, they were tested again. The the fast guys up front at Dushler were tested again. That was unfortunately not us, as the driver decided to hit the infield tire trying to go for the win <laughs> in the heat race to put us in the redraw. Um, but you know, and then that just ruined the whole night. But no, I don't. Well, I don't know. I think that could be what it is. Well, how's the tires tested around here? Are they just everything around here has been fine. They, no, they're actually hitting them with a sniffer. We got to dismount them, and they stick uh, stick a goofy looking, I don't know, box that has a screen on it with a hose. Yeah, I don't. It's just sniffer. a goofy look, goofy looking feller to me. Hmm. I ain't never seen one because we never had any of that shit done. Well, just to be honest with you, that looks about like a breathalyzer from forty yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It's that big. It's huge. So I mean, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess we'll find out. I mean, like I said, I know they're appealing it and and whatnot. But if it uh, if it comes back positive again, you know, then uh, then obviously the penalties are going to stick, and the, you're just going to have that dark cloud over you for a couple yeah. of years. Um, yeah, there's there's so much more that that it could be. I mean. They could be running over something on the track, motor that was blown up earlier or something. Yeah, like, and I mean, some guys, know, some I mean, guys use uh, use WD forty to mount tires with, so they go on easier. You know, maybe it's picking up that. I don't know. We don't use anything to mount them. We just dry mount them um, with Kaiser wheels. We we don't I'm have get, to. What I'm getting that? out of reading, what I'm getting out of what they what they post is it sounds like they're actually cutting a section off the tread of the tire. Yeah, they'll take a grooving iron and they'll cut a cut a, a section of the tread out just like what we do when we get, you know, ready for the feature and we're grooving tires or whatever. Mm-hmm. They'll get a couple pieces of that and they'll send it off. Um, I mean, I think that's the best way to do it because it'll actually show you how deep that chemical is into the tire, whereas the sniffer is just going to tell you, you know, oh, it sniffed something. Yeah. You know, we don't know what it is. We don't know how deep it is, but it sniffed something. So we're going to, you know, find you and do all this stuff. So. So is the, is the sniffer kind of the preliminary test? And if something positive happens, then they, they take a piece of the tire back to do more, more analysis. Yeah, I think so. I think well. that the sniffer's up front and then, Okay. You know, if there's something that's on that, now we're going to go. And because they do the same thing as a chili bowl, too, at the top of the ramp and the shootout, because they're trying to control this tire prep issue. And, mm-hmm. you know, even with the race saver, 
uh, the rules. There is no rule against tire prep. There's a durometer rule. As long as that tire still durometers 35 on the left rear, there's there's nothing saying that we can't prep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing saying that we can't use the tire conditioner type of prep to where it's not making the tire softer, but it's making it last longer. We messed with it years ago, and it was almost more of a hassle than it was what you gained. You didn't gain enough, I didn't think. And it's a pain in the ass. It stinks. It causes cancer. Yeah. So it's just like, well, you know, what the hell? Well, what's the point in doing it? We used to do the drag tires, and that was a softer. Yeah. You know, the drag tire, you know, your your normal race day, I mean, you're going up and you're hitting the bleach box two or Mm -hmm. three time trials, and hopefully you go two or three rounds. So you're cycling that tire six times. About two weeks, that tire is technically shot. Yeah, but there's so much tire left, and and they allow it. Yeah, we stuff. We just lay on your back with a with a paint roller, a ten inch mm-hmm. paint roller. And, <clears throat> um, somebody's sitting outside and help you spin the tire, and you'd be under the bottom just rolling that stuff on, and you'd let it sit for an hour, and then you'd give it another coat, and it'd be good for like two weeks. Yeah, you know, just yeah, like brand new tires. I, I kind of think the same thing with some modified and late model guys. Why? Are, why do we have shrink wrap around our tires? You know, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Cause to me from the go-kart world and everything else, they're prepping. Well, what track because the was shrink it... wrap left some, lets it soak in, you know, keeps it from the air hitting it and all that other stuff. So yeah. well, why are they doing that? I don't know. Slightly unrelated story. I, I saw a track around, around the area that completely banned tires being wrapped at the racetrack. Yeah. But... I seen that uh, Meeker. I think it was Meeker, Oklahoma, I think. Yeah. And they, did it, they, were, they weren't picking it up. They, yeah, they did it because all the shrink wrap, plastic wrap, was just being thrown out the trailer or, or yeah. whatever, left to yep. blow away. And, and they were sick and tired of picking it up. So it was like a yeah. was it like a $500 fine or $1,000 yeah, fine or something like that? it was 500 the first time, 1000 the second time, and you were gone for a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and it if it continued, you were, you were done. You didn't come back. <laughs> Cause they're sick and tired of it. And I, I watch guys do it. They cut the, they cut the tire wrap and then they back out of the stall. Well, all the tire wrap either falls off or it stays on until they get to staging and then it falls off. Well, yeah. then nobody goes and picks it up. So, right. Yep. All right. Let's get into the, uh, the big conversation. The one that you and I talked about Stu. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation on social media about the whole Alex Bowman deal. And I think most of the conversation revolved around um, his, is Hendrick Motorsports drivers going to be allowed to continue to race outside of the Cup Series after two of their drivers have had to sit out because of injuries? Now, the Chase Elliott situation, completely yeah. different. He was snowboarding. He's out doing his thing. This was uh, uh, Alex Bowman racing at uh, 34 Raceway in West Burlington, Iowa for the uh, High Limit Series. And... Mm-hmm. um Bowman fractured his vertebrae. He's going to be out three to four weeks, which included uh, Monday's race at Dover. And um, so it, it kind of poses this really kind of great conversation that I like having with people is if you're Rick Hendrick or you're Jeff Gordon and you're the head of Hendrick Motorsports, uh, do you allow your drivers to to go out and do these extra races? Well, I think it. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a good thing because it gets them, it gets them more of a, on an edge of, of, you know, being right on the edge as a driver and, and you're keeping your reaction times 
up. You're not, you know, you're not, not doing nothing during the week. You know, you're continually driving. You're always learning. You're always getting better. Um, the other ball is the corporate sponsorship. Yeah. The corporate sponsorship is going to be the main thing. You know, if, if ally comes back and says, Hey, we, we signed on for Alex Bowman to drive our car or, you know, I guess Kyle's in a little bit of a better gray area because it's Hendrick cars, but even some of their other, you know, corporate sponsors they have, if they come back and say, well, we don't want him getting hurt driving a sprint car. Yeah. What the hell is a sprint car? Yeah. Because you know, most of those corporate guys probably don't understand what the hell a sprint car is. They don't understand right. it. You know, it's probably, you know, better right now than what NASCAR is as far as, just people watching yeah and people spending money and and the and the real true race fan going out on a saturday night or a friday night or i mean look at these high limit races Mm -hmm. there's 50 to 60 cars the grandstands are completely packed they're selling beer they're selling hot dogs they're selling you know the the towns are selling fuel to get there get home i mean you name it everybody's making money when it comes to these high limit races and that's what he was doing you know he was out there living his life Gaining a point. little, you know, gaining a little bit and something bad happened. To your point, if if I'm ally, you know, first off, I'm calling Hedrick and making sure Alex is okay if the conversation is yeah. started with them. But the next thing I'm saying is um, so that contract we got for Alex Bowman to drive the 48 Cup Series car, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're we, we got a contract, but uh, I'm I'm not paying you the same amount for for Josh Barry. Josh Barry, yeah, for Josh Barry to get in the car, you know. Race number one for Dover, Barry's probably going to get a little bit of attention because uh, they're going to the TV is going to follow that story. But race two, three and four, it's probably going to be a little bit less unless Barry's up front. But, you know, yeah, I think maybe in this case, I'm I'm being a little bit too uh, microcosm as to where when like Tony Stewart, when he broke his leg and he was out for quite a few races. If I'm Old Spice, I'm not paying Tony Stewart prices to have somebody else drive my car. Or, or to, no, to be yeah, on the side sure. of that fourteen, it so and it, it's un, it's understandable, you know. Yeah. They they cut the check for Alex Bowman to be in the Ally Forty Eight. They didn't cut the check for Josh Berry. I mean, he's he's a damn good driver, but mm-hmm. he's not he's not a he's not a Cup driver. Yeah, if Dirk he was a Cup driver, he, we wouldn't need him to be in that car. Well, let's just go to the reality, though, folks. We don't know if that contract is with Alex Bowman or just with Henry. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if it's just with Hendrick, I don't see it. I mean, I, I like I hope it doesn't affect those guys running dirt stuff because it's bringing fans. It's keeping them at a at a high level. You know, it's not like they're going out there and they're racing mods or mm-hmm. hobby stocks. I mean, they're racing at the highest level against the toughest competitors there are. And you're not telling me that you can't learn something while you're doing that um, that can, you know, go over into – uh, you know, the NASCAR world yeah. as a driver. Yeah. I, I, and I'm, I'm completely on the side of you with that. And, and I think a lot of other people and, and Hendrick motorport motorsports seems to be in the same area where um, Jeff Andrews president for Hendrick motorsports made a statement that basically, I'm not going to read you the entire thing, but basically just said that our message to the drivers is you keep being you, but just be careful what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And and they believe that the Elliott situation and the Bowman situation are completely different, which they are, mm-hmm. and that Alex, it, he has a passion for racing sprint cars, and he does get some experience out of it that, that he's able to apply to his Cup Series races on Sundays or Saturdays or whatever days. 
And, yeah. and so they're going to continue to encourage that. Uh, my fear is that it's probably, again, just being a little bit too much of a helicopter fear monger, but that if this keeps happening, that we're going to see something maybe in the next round of contract negotiations with Larson and Bowman and, yeah. and Byron and those guys that, that maybe we do see a little bit of a drawback and that would be a huge hit to the dirt world because right now, Stu, like you said, the, the high limit series is, is printing money. Yeah, it is. It's, it's big. I mean, we're, we're still searching for a 410 to be able to go do it. And granted it's at our home track and, and it's great for our partners and, and uh, you know, it's, it's great. I think I, you know, I've, I've never ran really bad with the outlaws, which I mean, is kind of what it is. The hell, they might be a little bit better than the outlaws some nights, but uh, you know, that's just, everybody wants to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, like we said that there is no restrictions coming. There was a fake uh, Bob Pockris. Yeah. I, tweet. Yeah. I've seen that, but it had too many S's. Yeah. <laughs> I looked really closely. Cause at Kendall, that, cause... we were actually, yeah, I looked really closely at that one, and I was like, "Wait a minute, am I They're seeing done. too They're many?" They're not doing that. Yeah, there's, there's. So too then many I S's. pulled it up, and I'm like, there's three? Yeah, no, he's only got two S's. Oh no, it's fake." <laughs> and then but, you know, 20 minutes later, they said that it was fake. But you know, yeah. it, it's not an out out of the question type of thing. Yeah, let's just hope that these guys can continue to stay healthy, not get hurt. And, and that was just a racing deal. That guy was. The guy wheelied a little bit off of Ford, and of course, with the left side tire being smaller than the right, she's going left. Mm-hmm. And Bowman was there trying to gain a position at the start of a at the start of the heat race, which is, I mean, that's what you got to do. Once he's, yeah. once you get kind of strung out, it, it's hard unless you're, you know, super super fast to to gain the position. So, well, the high limit series hit an Eagle Raceway uh, Tuesday, June sixth. I did have a question about this at the Eagle Raceway Facebook page and at the racetrack of can we get reserved seats? What's this? What's that? This is a completely rented facility. Uh, Eagle's probably going to be in charge of uh, prepping the track and then running the concession stand. But everything after that, ticket sales, reserved seats, VIP passes. Uh, can I get my buddy in? That's all going to be handled through the high limit series. So Eagle doesn't mm-hmm. have any control over the ticket sales. And I did get that confirmation through race scene. So um, yeah, that that's going to be a big one. It, you know, when you, yeah, you want to get a race, seat, go to the high limit deal. Yeah. Go you, to their you, page get, and... you get a 410 sprint car race coming to town. That's a, that's a cool deal. And I think you're going to sell some tickets, but uh, right now it, the big question is, will Kyle Larson be there? And the, the answer is absolutely. He's contractually obligated to be there. He will be there. And uh, I remember yeah. when um, I think it was a world of outlaws race, uh, maybe two, three years ago at Eagle, uh, they confirmed the day of the race that Kyle Larson was going to be there. And uh, from a quote I got from a source was we went from losing our ass to making a ton of money in yeah. six hours. Yep. And it was just the same thing that happened when Tony Stewart showed up in mm-hmm. 2012. Yep. They, as soon as they, I think that was kind of the same deal. They didn't know until the day of or, or the, the morning before. And as soon as it hit, man, that place, they had people in the, in the pits because the stands were too, too full. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday, June 6th is going to be a packed night. And I'd have to suggest anybody get their tickets in advance because uh, it's going to sell out. And that's no yeah. question. All for right, buddy, sure. you got anything else for us? I mean, that's, I, that's what I know or don't know. One of the two. Um <laughs> That's just what I take on it. I appreciate you guys always reaching out and it makes me feel kind of like I did something Yeah. in the sport. Now that you guys, everybody's kind of reaching out and asking somebody some, you know, 
hillbilly from Lincoln, Nebraska, some advice on this stuff. It's kind of fun. Oh, well, so I must have done something right. If you weren't an international traveler, we probably wouldn't reach out. <laughs> yeah, man, I tell you what, I, that was a that was a fun week. You know, I wouldn't mind living that kind of life. Was was Fly, it you race two nights in a row? Oh yeah, yeah. You race two nights in a row. You park the rig. You get in the jeep. You drive to the airport. You land on a you know you, you get on a plane. You land in the beach. Yeah. You spend the whole beach with your you know you spend the whole week with on the beach with your wife. You get you change your flights. Which turned into kind of a shit show. <laughs> well, she said, then Kendall you, gotta said get you guys taxi. got really lucky. Oh, yeah. We got really lucky. Well, I called, and of course, travel agent was great. Changed our flights so we could get into Omaha earlier. The guys worked all week on both cars and, and had everything at the track for me. Um, all I had to do was show up. So I'm like, well, oh, we can't really let them down with that late flight, taking the chance of getting in at 6 because I ain't going to make her. Yeah. And I ain't showing up to run a B or a C. So we swapped the flights. Well, then the the travel agent that uh, uses, you know, they use a company to get you from trans or transportation company from the airport to the resort. Well, they can't change that because it was a shared transport with uh-huh. other people. So, okay, what do I do? Well, you go down to the concierge and you set up a taxi at 4 a.m. in Mexico. <laughs> okay. This sounds great. <laughs> Dude was, he was a really good cat. We got to the airport, no problem. First flight, no problem. Weather on the way, not great. 30 minutes late, three planes land, two people running the American of Customs. Our plane boards in five minutes. Cool. <laughs> then they changed the gate to where the site, you know, we land in D which our, our other flight was in D halfway through our flight from Cancun to Dallas, that gate changed to C. So now we've got to go through customs back through security, grab our other bag that we checked, get it back on the carousel to wherever the hell it was going to go to the other plane, run upstairs. Like we're running through the airport, <laughs> run through there. We made it in five minutes before they shut the door to our plane. Wow. And you made it on time to, get to, Eagle to go and race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We landed at about 2.45, 2.30, and I was at Eagle about 3.30. Wow. Nice. Well, can, so, no, it was, it was fun. I'd give you a hot tip on one step to skip. Instead of worrying about taking your big bag back to check it in, just take it to the gate with you, and they'll load it under the plane from there. That's, yeah. We probably, the only, the only thing that helped us on that is that dude was on the way up the, up the ramp. <laughs> and I, there was nobody in line. I said, what do I do with this? He goes, throw it to me. I said, like, okay. Nice. It to him. He threw it on. <laughs> Apparently, he knew where it was to go. Yeah. And we we just kept on running. And a, and a little lady that worked at the airport told us, "Okay, you got to go here, here, take a right, go up that stairs, and get on that start, the Starlink train thing, and it'll get there." And and you know, well, then we're you know you're in uh, you're in D. Well, you got to stop three times in E. Then we're going to C. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a little hectic. To, she wasn't really super happy till we sat down on the plane. Yeah. I bet. Then she's like, okay, we made it. What are the weekend plans for the race operation? Friday night, we're going over to Denison. Okay. Hopefully the weather, the weather keeps changing, so hopefully it stays where it's in the good. And hopefully we still have the speed that we've had there in the past. And then Saturday night's Eagle. And I, think, I think maybe the next weekend we go with the 360 over to Norfolk. Okay. I think the 13th, but yeah, you'll, uh, you'll see us this weekend out at Eagle again and 
will uh, hopefully be a little bit better in the future than what we were last weekend. We were we were heroes in the heat race, but we were zeros in the feature. <laughs> that was a green white checker fi- uh, feature. That was a tough one, though. Yeah, I guess I got in for free this week, yeah. but I'd yeah. rather had a caution to maybe try something different because <laughs> what I was where I was at and what I was trying there, I couldn't get a hold of nothing. I talked to a few other few other guys this morning, and they all said the same thing. It was just kind of a weird track. We had grip in the we had grip in the in the heat races with the cushion and with the slick to where you could slide. But then in the feature, it was all kind of like we were all almost the same speed. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of, of moving around and, and whatnot, but. Looks like we can expect 82 and a slight breeze on Saturday at Eagle. Well, let's hope it's less than slight. I know what Nebraska <laughs> has for slight and I'm over it. All right, buddy. Have a good night. Thanks for joining us. Yep. No problem. Thanks guys. We'll, we'll talk to you later. See ya. Stu Snyder, driver of the number five uh, Race Saver Sprint Car and the number 23S360 joining us on the show. Uh, always nice to have Stu on, have just a little bit different of a perspective. So, yeah, I think that's really a majority of the news. Had a couple other ones to talk to talk about. I saw Daryl DeFrance Racing, uh, DeFrance Racing posted that uh, sadly they lost their granddaughter, uh, Daphne Elizabeth, uh, just uh, – 10 minutes shy of two days old, uh, lost her just after birth. So that's a real heartbreaker to hear. So we want to make sure and send our thoughts out to them. Other than that, I don't have a lot of other news locally or nationally to talk about. No, I think the Alex Bowman deal was kind of the big news. And, uh, well, there'll be, I don't know what's going to come of it. Um, cause there was a little scuttlebutt during the Dover race, which, uh, was made up on Monday where uh, a certain someone crashed a certain someone, but a different certain someone, but the driver that caused the crash is infamous. Anyway, Ross Gastain hit a slower <laughs> car and took him out, which also collected Kyle Larson. Yeah, I, I did end up seeing that clip, so I know what you're talking about. And Kyle Larson, they did a little radio from him as he's limping around the track because he was able to drive, but he couldn't. He ended up having to go into the garage and, and do some fixing. And I still don't know when they said he'd come back on the track. I don't know, 28 laps down or something. I'm going, the wreck happened on the track. This wasn't a mechanical issue. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that happened. But uh, um, he said, it's the first stage. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he was pretty upset. So. I'm trying to think who Chastain got into. It was the 15 car, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, Brandon Jones. Yeah. Who was driving. Uh, uh, Brandon Poole. Or Poole. Brandon Poole, yeah. And Ross just kind of being aggressive, just got into the back of him and moved him up and or turned him. And then as Poole kind of came back up the racetrack, Larson was right there and just collected Larson. And. I think everybody kind of agrees, especially the broadcast guys, that uh, that was something that Ross didn't need to do. Um, but Ross is definitely getting a bit of a name for himself as being a very aggressive driver. Some people like it. Some people don't. And we're kind of starting to see that division a little bit more. Well, everybody kind of chuckled at it when him and Denny Hamlin were having all their spats last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. You know? But he's well past that point. He's not making rookie mistakes anymore. Yeah. He just flat crashed a guy for no absolute reason. 
Mm-hmm. And he goes, I didn't mean to do that. Well, you did it. Yeah. And, and as I was kind of watching it, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, well, maybe Poole lifted a little bit more going into the corner and, and, and Chastain was just a little bit too close, but it doesn't matter. You, you, you gotta, you gotta have your heads about you, your wits about you that you, you can't go into the corner like that. If it's somebody in front of you that has been running considerably slower laps, you got to give them the space or you got to move your line around so that you can get around them pretty effectively. It, I, I think that was an overly aggressive move and, and it's going to be interesting to see what Ross does over the, the coming months and years as he's begun to really get this overly aggressive reputation. If he's able to kind of wrangle it in a little bit and, and become more of a um, respectful driver, not a respected driver. He is respected. He's a good driver, but a respectful driver. Well, is he respected by his peers? I don't think so much. Uh, I, you're right on that one. I guess I was thinking more of uh, fan base, but the general public. And I mean, is he talented? Yeah, he's very talented. He wouldn't be winning races up there if he's not. Yeah, but especially a track house. I mean, they're they're not a top tier organization. They're doing really well for themselves, but I, th- I think they're doing well for themselves because he's driving the car, and it's not anybody else. Well, they got to win out of Suarez too, you know. Yeah. So yeah. And he hasn't gone around wrecking everybody he's driven past. <laughs> That's true. You know, do, you, like do you think there's a possibility of penalties or some sort of uh, repercussion coming down the line? I wouldn't be surprised if NASCAR's got to do something, and they got to do something soon. So, you know, one of the guys says, you know, yeah, maybe they should find him or something. I don't see that, but I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if some type of probation got put on him. Yeah. Or I mean, I would I would I would be shocked if they didn't pull him into the trailer and have a conversation with him. Well, normally they announce that during the race. You know, the one driver has been called to the yeah star hauler after the race, but that was never announced today. Did yeah. it happen? I don't know, but it wasn't announced. Or maybe it's an informal conversation they'll have at the racetrack this weekend at Kansas. Just one of the officials going down there and saying, "Hey, listen, you got to chill." You're causing hey. too many issues. You're riling a lot of feathers. You got to chill. Oh, this is already way past one of the officials. This is where Mike Hilton always used to make his visits. Yeah. yeah but he's no longer with the company, so I don't know who's going to take that spot. But, yeah, that's uh, it should have immediately been announced, and, and, and it might have been, and just never the TV guys just ignored it or didn't catch it or something. I don't know. But it, in the old days, it would have immediately been announced that, you know, driver the one's been summoned to the hauler after the yeah. race. And we know that there's been repercussions already. Kyle Larson kind of, I don't know, I, maybe, I think Kyle Larson did the right thing in paying him back. Because had Kyle wrecked him, then Kyle could have been facing a suspension, a probation, a fine, something like that. Kyle did exactly what needed to be done. He blocked him. He held him up. And he could have been a very good reason why Ross ended up not winning that race. Now, I think it ended up being for not because of the caution that came out later, kind of reset things. Um, but uh, but I think Kyle sent a message in a very clean, respectful way of, that wasn't cool, dude. You didn't need to do that. Yeah, that's it. You know, um, and Dan didn't preface that, but during the race, later on in the race, when Kyle was 30-plus laps down out there just – making laps and still gaining a few spots because people were crashing and dropping out yeah. um, that uh, um, he got put another lap down by Martin Truex. And then he went up and, 
and parked himself almost in uh, Ross Chastain's line. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it, it probably probably extended Martin's lead a second or a second and a half. Yep. And, and then Ty Gibbs did it. Of course, <laughs> Ty Gibbs helping his Toyota teammate, JGR teammate. You expect that. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. But, hmm. uh, yeah. I didn't realize Ty Gibbs had done it too. Yep. Yeah, he did it after Larson about two laps later, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, I fully think that'd be something that NASCAR would look at. If if Ty Gibbs being a lap down blocks the second placeman from being able to make it a race and to make it a challenge for the lead, that might be something NASCAR looks at. Well, it, I don't think they're going to look at it because at that point, Ty Gibbs was the uh, lucky dog. Oh. He had just gone a lap down. Well, he ended up finishing as a lucky dog, too, meaning oh. that he was the first car lap down. Right. I understand. But I'm yeah. just saying. At that point, I think he was the lucky dog. So. Okay. All right, let's get to the finish at Dover. Martin Trucks Jr. ends up getting the win. Uh, he led 68 laps, finished ninth in stage one, fourth in stage two, 49 points on the day. Ross Chastain, who we just talked a lot about, ended up finishing second. Ryan Blaney third, William Byron fourth, and Danny Hamlin fifth. Then it was Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Brad Keselowski, Christopher Busher, excuse me, Chris Busher, and Josh Berry. Again, we talked uh, earlier with Stu Snyder about Josh Berry filling in for Alex Bowman. Nice top 10 finish for him in the 48 car. Uh, big points getter of the day was William Byron. One stage one, second and stage two, 52 points on the day. Um, then it was Ross Chastain with 51 points, Ryan Blaney with 50 points. I ended up taking Denny Hamlin, and I just spent the entire race waiting for something to happen. And the pit crew tried a couple of times to make make sure I had a bad finish. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if you caught or if I didn't see anything about it online, but they talked about it during the race. Uh, Martin Truex has won four times at Dover. Wow. Three of them have been on Monday. <laughs> no kidding. Yes. Wow. And the Truex yeah. brothers swept the weekend at Dover, too. It's the second time brothers have swept Dover. Mike and Rusty Wallace swept Dover. I, it was like 91 or something hmm. like that. Wow. Uh, post-race inspection for Dover has been completed. Martin Truex Jr. passed inspection. He's officially the winner. And no cars were taken to the NASCAR R&D Center after the race. I think that's all we got for you for uh, for turn number one. You got anything else to talk about? Yeah, one other spot during the race. And they'll have stuff on it when they uh, do race hub and stuff. They were coming to a set of pit stops, and uh, oh, um, Burton Harrison Burton driving the twenty-one spun right at the entrance to pit road, like right where the pit road stripe was. Okay, and he sat there for three quarters of a lap, and the announcer—I mean, the camera went on it. The announcers were all over it. Oh, this is going to bring out a yellow. That he better get going. They haven't thrown the yellow yet. He moved about three feet, and I don't remember who it was, scooted by him. Why NASCAR did not throw a yellow at that point, I have no idea. Yeah, Absolutely none, and there's no way they can justify telling me why they didn't. Yeah, on the local level, you could say, well, maybe they didn't see it. Because there's corner guys, there's spot, flagman spot, there's a couple of them. But NASCAR has just about every inch of that racetrack covered that – if they don't see it, the teams are radioing to NASCAR that there should be a good, that it shouldn't last that long. 
Oh yeah, it was it was totally ridiculous. He sat there for twelve to fifteen seconds, literally. Yeah, that should that, that can't happen. At the start of pit road, and that pit road is two cars wide, so he had pit road blocked. If he hadn't got it fired up and moved about four or five feet, I I don't. The other car, I'm sure, would have stopped because obviously he was slowed down at pit road speed. Mm-hmm. But and I can't remember who the hell it was, but might have been Truex, might have been the leader that snuck by him. Oh, wow. Yep, that'll be something we'll try to bring up, uh, try to talk about on Thursday's show if there's any more news to uh, to talk about that. Coming up in turn number two, one of our final interviews we did at the World of Wheels Auto Show, Emma Roslin is going to join us. She is a world champion. That's easy to say. You know, you win uh, the the biggest uh, 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 game in baseball and you're the, uh, you're the World Series champions. Um, but... This is this is a local Omaha girl that went to it was somewhere in Ohio, right? Yeah, that's where the soapbox was, was it Cleveland? Uh no, it's not Cleveland. Um I'm sure she's gonna talk about it coming up, but she she passed everything she needed to do in Omaha. She went to Ohio, she did a fantastic job, and she is a world champion in soapbox derby racing. We're gonna talk to her coming up next. If you're thinking to yourself, it's a soapbox derby. I don't want, I don't really care. Stop and listen. She is an amazing young lady and it's a great interview with her. We had a great conversation with Emma. Uh, I was really, really happy with this when we ended the interview. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Coming up in turn number two. Again, that's going to do a force. Go ahead. What's that? Akron, Ohio. I just Akron. Looked. That's right. Absolutely. Emma Rosalind, just around the corner. Dirk and I'll be right back on the front stretch. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you White Knuckle Racing by the River bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. Steak and Lube in Council Bluffs continues to offer the best wings, burgers, and steaks seven days a week, along with great daily specials. Mondays are Kids Night, where kids eat for just 99 cents with the purchase of an adult entree. Tuesdays is All You Can Eat Wings Night for just $17. Enjoy a half rack of baby back ribs for just $13.50 on Wednesdays, and you choose on Thursdays for just $12. You can pick between 15 fried shrimp, a pickup cheeseburger, 15 breaded wings, or six boneless wings. Check out Quaker Steak and Lube in Council Bluffs on Facebook for all their daily specials. Get too quick to steak and lube. We're hooked up in turn two and still showing the green flag on the front stretch. Welcome back to the front stretch. We're only into turn number two, presented by Quaker Steak and Lube at Council Bluffs, the official watering hole of the front stretch. Get over to Council Bluffs and get over to Quaker Steak and Lube over by uh, Mid-America Center and Bass Pro Shop. Well, you know, it's been there for almost 12 years. If you haven't found it yet, you are truly missing out on one of the best wing joints in the Midwest, Quaker Steak and Lube at Council Bluffs. Great weekly specials. In fact, there are some great kids' events like uh, uh, Easter with the Easter Bunny, 
Um, they have uh, Christmas with Santa Claus. That's obviously coming up uh, in several months, but really cool events, touch truck events that you're able to sit down and actually see these big like dump trucks and fire trucks and all these really cool trucks up close and personal. We always see them at a distance, you know, driving away or, or hauling ass down the road, but uh, you can get up close to them. That's the idea of a touch of truck is be able to get up close and personal with these vehicles. Make sure you like up the Quaker Steak and Lube Facebook page for uh, details on when the next kids events are. Actually, kids get to eat free every Monday night, 99 cents. With the purchase of an adult meal. Yeah, kids eat for 99 cents with the purchase of an adult meal, I should say it that way. Uh, but then all the uh, other kids' events are available on their Facebook page. They'll publish those out about a month before the events. Joining us on the front stretch now, I think this might be our first ever world champion interview. I don't know if Jacob was ever a world champion. Jacob was not, but he's been to Akron as a local champ out of Omaha and uh, a rally champ at one time, too. So Jacob is uh, certainly a good racer for us over the years. Accomplished, very accomplished. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've had Jacob on a couple times, but I think that's all we've talked to in the Soapbox Derby world. I believe you're absolutely right, but I, we haven't had uh, past champions. We've had plenty of past champions. I'm not sure we've ever had a world champion, though. Well, yeah, I mean, we've had some other local guys that, you know, did a lot of Stuff, you know, Andrew Kaziski and stuff like that. All the yeah. Kaziskis race soapbox yes, and did. stuff like that. So. Oh, I'm not talking just soapbox. I'm talking everything. Yeah. Well, I'm talking so well. That's what I'm saying. I think this is our first official world champion. Oh, I don't know. We've talked to Jonathan Davenport. And he's won the dirt track world championship before and some of those guys. All right, fine. I was trying to give her a little bit of credit. <laughs> Oh, she deserves all the credit, don't you? <laughs> we know, are talking with... You're the uh, world champion in, in your class or genre or whatever yeah. you want to call it. She only had to tell me four times her name's Emma Rosalind. So I wrote it down, and now I've got it. So I won't forget it. Yes, Dirk's not going to forget it. Yeah, I know. No, I wrote it down. <laughs> I'll, I'll forget it, but I'll be able to read it off. Emma, thank you so much for putting up with us. You're welcome. Thanks so, for having me. It's the longest intro probably in all of your interviews. But that's okay. It's fun. It's a good time. Uh, well, at least we hope it is. Uh, so, Soapbox Derby Racing, I learned a lot about this when we were talking to uh, Jacob a few years ago and, and just kind of talking with him. There's a lot more that goes into it rather than just sitting down and maybe kind of sneaking into the seat. Yeah, um, with my class, we have to actually lay down in the car, so then you have to be tucked in and the hatch has to close on you, and I have to be duct taped in so that my hatch doesn't pop when I brake because I have to pull the brake and so if my hatch pops I can't see but um, with my class I have to lay down and I get tucked in and my helmet's in and then I get a hatch put down so don't let you don't let her kid you she's a great driver too <laughs> so if you're claustrophobic that's not the class for you right? no that's not the class <laughs> especially since you got to be duct taped into place yeah I mean, that's, I've been duct taped, but that's usually my big brother picking on me. <laughs> you do it for for a good reason. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I guess my brother would argue that he did it for a good reason, too. I think too. your dad <laughs> duct taped you just to save the equipment. <laughs> hey, duct tape couldn't hold this mouth shut for long. Uh, <laughs> and you've got some uh, 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 pretty famous family lineage, the Rosalind name, yep. very popular in the racing world. Yep. Uh, Max Rosalind racing the number 84 uh, 305 around the area. You're his dad, Chris Rosalind, and that, uh, his dad would be your uncle? Technically, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, and So talk about how you got into Soapbox Derby and how long you've been doing this. Um, my dad used to race when he was little, and he kind of got us into racing 
when I was seven, and I've been racing ever since. I've been racing for almost nine years now. So, I was gonna say, so now you're what, 35 or what? <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm now 15, turning 16, and this will be my ninth year of racing. So, so you have a learner's permit, so now you can really drive something? I don't even have my learner's ah. permit yet. <laughs> Well, I'd st- I, listen, I'm friends with a guy who just turned 30 and got his driver's license for the first time. Well, so, yeah, but there's a little bit of circumstance behind uh, that. He deal. might have a disability, but whatever. It's it's his own excuse. But um, <laughs> All right, so are you coming to the end of what you're able to do with Soapbox Derby Racing? No, I can race up until I'm 21. Okay. So I still have five years left, and I'm going to be racing for as long as I can and as long as I can fit so that I can go for as long as I can yeah talk about your world championship run is that something that happens over several years or is that something that, that it's a seasonal thing um so you have your like spring rally races um and then you have to like gather up points when you go race so like if you get first place you get like 45 points and then those all add up over the season and if you have like 120 points you're qualified to go as a rally champ to Akron and then um, if you win your local race, you get to go as a local champ and you go in July at like the end of July to Akron, Ohio for the championship race. And then you spend a whole week there doing the activities and the separate races. And then um, you go on Saturday is the big race and you go down the hill once. And if you win that, you go to the next phase. And then if you win that, you go to the uh, race where you decide where like they decide if you go for first, second and third, uh, fourth, fifth and sixth and seventh, eighth and ninth. And then if you win that, you go for first, second and third or whatever place. And then you go down the hill and get whatever place you get. So you're just going rounds. Feel yeah. like at a drag strip or exactly. something like that. How many you win tracks, and you move on. How many cars, car, uh, cars are on the track at a time? Three in Akron. Most of the time, it's two on every other racetrack. Okay, and okay. so it is. So it is a season. You're like just coming up on a new season. So you're going to be like trying to defend your world championship. So or? our season started back in September, oh, okay. and so we are just in May. We'll race our first race of the new year. Um, so we're just like coming out of winter, going into spring, racing our spring rally. So, so you've I'm, already got points. Yes, I already have points. Okay, so you don't run by a calendar year. You run yeah. uh, 12 months, but it starts in September. The s- yeah, the season yeah. basically July. starts over after the All-American in Akron. The season starts over, we start in the fall, and then we'll start pick up and finish off into the spring. Oh, okay. okay. Where do you race this time of year? Um, this time of year, the Chicago has races. They had races, I want to say, January, February, and March. Uh, Kentucky has races. Um, they have indoor races in Chicago and in Kentucky, and we don't have many races here in the Midwest because of the winter. But you can go to Chicago and Kentucky and Florida and all those places. Is that is the Chicago one indoors? Yes. I was gonna say because it's it gets a little colder in the yes. wintertime in Chicago. And, Chicago and is indoors. Yeah. Okay. How many races wow. do they do locally here? Because I know I'm pretty sure they still got the track out at uh, Seymour Smith Park out there. Very right? much so. We have our, our actually our first race will start in May. We have a rally in May fifth uh, and sixth, I believe it is, and then we have our local race, which is June seventeenth, which is the big race for us, and then we have what we call our monster rally in the fall 
where again, so we have a we have a permanent facility, a track that we built over. It's probably 35 years old that. Uh, her grandpa and great-grandpa were heavily involved with in putting the track together and, and, and building the track. So, But uh, the big race is in June, and that's the one that we're down here today uh, for people and actually trying to recruit new racing families to get involved. And we have some unique programs available for them to get involved. And uh, it's, it's, it's really will start up in, in April, mid-April, for families to come out to the track if they want to learn about Soapbox Derby. We have some very good corporate citizens that have provided cars for kids to race. It's an entry level to get them started, see if it's something they want to do for very minimal cost. And so now they can get in and we encourage them to move down the road to actually buy a new kit, put it together, and race it. But it's not for everybody. I mean, it's, it's, it takes some hands-on and it takes a parent rental involvement or a our aunt or uncle, grandpa, so, but you know, car guys are some of our favorite guys because they're hands-on, yeah. and, and they really do a great job. The Midwest Street Rods and and uh, a, lo- a lot of car guys are really very supportive of our efforts, and we thank them and thank you for putting us uh, on the air today because it's hard for us to get the word out. Yeah, and and it's really a, it's a great program, and we would encourage people to come to the track starting mid-April at 5:30 on a Wednesday night. We'll be out there. Through the whole month of May and June, getting prepared for our local race. That's our big one. And that's what Emma uh, won uh, two years ago. She was world champ, and that was a, a big deal for Omaha. We've, we, we're very proud of that. We had several kids uh, place in the, in the All-American Soapbox Derby over the years. So we're competitive. We're, we've got a good program going on. We've got a lot of dedicated families that make it happen. And uh, it's a great, uh, it's STEM-oriented is what they're pushing towards now, too. A lot of STEM principles involved. Uh, it's all gravity. But uh, the key is having a good driver, and uh, that Emma is very good. And we have several of them in our area. We're competitive. Being, uh, being gravity-powered, have, has Emma gone over and tried her hand at the valve covers? They're gravity-powered over there, too. <laughs> I have not yet, but I probably will once we're done with this. Okay. Well, don't beat up on him too bad. <laughs> I'll try not to. Just she beat your brother. That's she, all that matters. She doesn't <laughs> right? hold back. She's a competitor. Oh, yeah. That's I, I watched a lot of them last year because our booth was right over by theirs. Yeah. Just make sure you're lined up straight because if you track into the wall, you lose. That's yeah. all there is to it. If you, if you take that momentum away, you're done. You know, make sure that's tracked straight. The one unique thing is it's amazing. The Soapbox Derby has been around for 85 years. So it's doing something right. Right. And What's a way that somebody that's interested can easily reach out to you guys? Facebook page, website? You hit it. I mean, those, we're on Facebook. We're on, on the website, All-American Soapbox Derby website. Uh, we also have our own Omaha website. We're not the best techies that there is in the world to get it out there. But if you, you can go on there and there's numbers and stuff that you can get a hold of us, just give us a call. And uh, like I said, starting in, the, in, in April, mid-April, that's when, the t- that's when it really gets rolling for us because we don't race in the winter because of the winter. It would yeah. be a little chilly out there. But we are going to be going big guns here starting mid-April. Fantastic. Uh, Emma Rosalind, uh, do you have any sponsors you need to make sure and think? I don't. Mom and Dad? I do have <laughs> Backland Plumbing Yeah. where my dad works, where Chris owns mm-hmm. Backland Plumbing. That's basically it yeah uh, that's a good company though I, I we got a lot of people that are are funded by backland plumbing and, and that's a great company to to have come do all your plumbing work i believe they're commercial are they residential also 
Yeah, yes. Black, yes. Backland's also residential, so if you got any plumbing needs, which... <laughs> Yep, I gotta give I gotta give Chris a call. Yeah. Sarah talked to me last night, so I've had a, my main sink drain. It's not draining. That's and not good. I've tried and For tried and tried. For a long time, uh, it's not draining. Three months, and finally Sarah's like, "So when are we gonna finally get this fixed?" I'm like, "No, I got it. I'm gonna get it." She's like, "No, Dan, you're calling somebody. I am tired of this." And I was like, All "Some right, things fuck. a guy wants to stay away from. Plumbing's one of them. Unless you know what you're doing, right, George?" <laughs> At, uh, least the, Emma, at least the kitchen sink's not cleaning out the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Emma, thank you so much for your time. Uh, congratulations welcome. on the world championship. How thank are you feeling you. going into the season? Do you feel like you got a good shot at repeating? I do. Yeah. I really do. I'm going to race a super stock for the local because of me winning, uh, me winning the local with my master's. So hopefully I can win it in super stock and go as a super stock local champ this year. So Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Is I, it a we, deal when you win you have to move up? For the local division, yes. Okay. You, once you win a division in the local race, you have to change divisions. And, and like right now, she's racing to be qualified as a rally champ, which will lock her into going back again as a Masters. But she, she's going to race in the local as a Superstock because she can race in the local division in the All-American. There's two divisions that you can, you can run as a rally champ, which she's chasing points for right now, Damn. or as a local champ where you represent your city and the, and across the country. There'll be over 400 cars in Akron uh, this summer racing. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's like I said, it's, it takes uh, a, an adult working with a child. Uh, you just, it's, not a, it's not a select sport because you have to be there. You can't just drop them off and, uh, and go to the, the, the golf course. You've got to be there working with them. And yeah. that's the beauty of it. I mean, uh, uh, you have to learn some skills. Yeah. And it's probably got age brackets or something. Age brackets. And so we start at seven, boys and girls, and go up to 20, 20 through 20. And depending on their size and their age, there are different divisions and different levels of expertise, and you move up as you go on. Uh, again, talking with Emma Roslin, world champion, the uh, All-American Soapbox Derby world champion, Emma Roslin. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit about you're able to, to really compete until you're about 21 before you age out of it. What's your plans for the next level? Are, are you thinking about that yet, or are you still focused on the next couple of years? I think I'm still focused on the next couple of years. For a while, I did want to go into NASCAR, but I don't know if I want to go into NASCAR anymore. So I'm kind of just focusing on the next couple of years, and then I'll decide later on what I want to yeah. do. All right. Well, hopefully we see you uh, racing in a local dirt track for a couple of years, and then, and, you know, don't turn down any offers from Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, if, I if Rick calls or Jeff, I guess Jeff, Jeff's kind of running the show now. If they call, just entertain them, okay? I will. <laughs> That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks a lot, everybody, for uh, tuning in to the Front Stretch. Uh, big thanks to Quaker Steak and Lube, Tailored Computers and Repair, Rick Havenridge of Wealth Partners. Find out what Rick could do for you today, rickhavenridgeadvice.com. And, of course, Joe's Carding. For Dirk Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. This has been the Front Stretch. We all have that coworker that runs their mouth off at how great they are. They shot a five under par, 95 mile an hour fastball, bench press 375, brah. Wouldn't you love to shut them up by schooling them at Joe's Karting? Council Bluffs premier indoor karting track, professionally designed so each corner is your opportunity to embarrass your coworker. Call Buddy for your next company outing at 712-256-5278. Joe's Karting, white knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue next to AMC 17. Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair. I've been talking about a hard drive upgrade on the podcast for quite a long time, and here's a little more detail behind it. Older laptops, older computers, maybe four or five years old, the hard drives that came with them just simply were not built for Windows 10. 
a new hard drive from Taylor Computers in Repair will breathe brand new life into your laptop and computer. Not only will it make it faster, but it will make your laptop battery last longer and it will run cooler, which will also help the battery last a lot longer. Not only does your computer or laptop get even faster, but all of your files, settings, pictures, everything is exactly where you left it. Within about a day, maybe two days, you're gonna get your same computer back, but it's gonna run faster, cooler, and the battery's gonna last longer on laptops. Give me a call today, 402-659-5641. Find out what a hard drive upgrade can do for your computer and get some valuable time back.